saw a few people sneak in there, so I get to say it again. Merry Christmas. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. All right, very good. So tonight, it's uh, Christmas Eve, and I wanted to share a tradition uh, with you that my family always did every Christmas. And uh, some of you may be familiar with Advent. These days we have uh, Advent calendars, right, with the little doors that you open up and you get a piece of chocolate or something out of there. Uh, my daughter even got a, a ramen noodle Advent calendar this year, so that's awesome. But this Advent's a little bit different. You see, each year, starting on, on four Sundays before Christmas, my family would get together on Sunday night, and we'd all gather around the Advent wreath, and the wreath is made out of evergreens to symbolize uh, everlasting life, right? And we had the candles there, and each one of the candles meant something, and we would light a candle, we would read a little bit of scripture. We would talk about what that candle meant to us. We'd sing a little song. And uh, the next Sunday, we'd get to light two candles. And as kids, you know, we took turns lighting the candles. So tonight, I can tell you, I'm thrilled to death. I get to light all the candles. <laughs> nanny, nanny, nanny to my sister. I get all the candles. <laughs> Only took 45 years. But this is a tradition that my, my family used to remind us of the reason that we should not only be excited about Christmas and Jesus' first coming, but also be to, to look forward and be excited about his second coming. Amen. Amen. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to work ourselves around our, our wreath here on these outer candles here. And like I said, each one of these candles represents something else. I'll give you one guess what this candle represents. I heard somebody whisper Jesus. Very good. Um, I'm going to light the candle. I'm going to have one of our deacons come up. They're going to read a little bit of scripture. We're going to talk about what that candle represents to us. We're going to sing a song without accompaniment. That's a cappella, so help me out here. I don't want to be the only one singing, okay? That's what those song sheets are for. And then we'll move on to the next candle. Does that sound good? Yeah. Okay, so let's start with our first candle. Our first candle is going to be our hope candle. And I've asked Paul to come forward and read a little bit of scripture for us. Did I, did I ask Paul to do that? Yes, you did. Okay, good. <laughs> I was like, I think I did. <laughs> so I'm going to light the hope candle, and Paul, if you would read that scripture for us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I probably don't need it. But a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, with the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And the little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. 
earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In this day and age where evil abounds and, and all seems lost, we have hope. We can have hope in the, in the prophecies about Jesus' second arrival. Right? We know about Jesus' first arrival. We know about the baby in the manger. But we can have hope in that second arrival. You, you heard him describe some of the things that, that will be the, the lion will eat straw, the child will play near the viper's den, and, and put their hand in it and not be bitten. Those are all pictures of what life will be like in eternity, in heaven, in perfection. This is the hope that we have, and, and it's, it's not wishful thinking like, Gee, I hope I get a new car for Christmas, right? It's 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 more like a spouse, and and you're hoping for that spouse to return from a long trip. It's not a question of if they come back; it's when are they going to come back. Amen. It's hope, hope in the Bible that it it exists as as a secure assurance, a trust placed in a trustworthy God. God has not failed us in the past. And therefore, if he claims he will do something in the future, we can have hope that he will fulfill that claim. Ephesians 1, uh, verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, so that you will know what is this hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ, when he raised him from the dead, and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Will you sing with me now? Or will you sing a little town back there? Oh, little town of For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will, be, will rest on his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There shall be no end to increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. <laughs> 
As we look at our world today, or even as we, we look at our own lives, we may be tempted to look at that verse that Jerry just read to us and say, peace? Peace? What peace? There are wars literally everywhere. There's famine and disease and division. Or maybe you look closer to home and you say, peace? I feel like my life is falling apart. I can't handle the daily struggle I'm in or, or the issues I have with my family or much less the world. Where is this peace you speak of, Isaiah? You wouldn't be the first person to ask that question. There was a man named Henry Wadsworth, and he felt the same thing. The year was 1863, and the United States was smack dab in the middle of the Civil War. Well, uh, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, he wrote a poem, and uh, later on it would become the Christmas carol that you might recognize, I Heard the, bell, I heard the Bells on Christmas Day. In 1863, the United States had seen the bloodiest uh, battle of, of the Civil War yet, Gettysburg, and Longfellow's son had enlisted, um, unbeknownst to Longfellow, and had been severely wounded. In the midst of this personal anguish and the, and the nationwide suffering, he wrote these words, and in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. Have you ever felt that? Hate is strong and mocks the song. Peace on earth and goodwill to men. Wadsworth's song was quoting uh, from Luke 2.14, where the angels were proclaiming Jesus' birth to the shepherds. Because through the birth of Jesus, peace was going to come to the earth. And it wasn't peace like all the wars were going to magically stop and all conflict was going to melt away. But it was an even better peace than that. It was shalom. Many of you know that uh, shalom is Hebrew for peace, right? We know that. But the word in Hebrew is actually a little bit more than that. It's, it's a state of being whole. And, and the shalom that the angels were, were speaking about was the state of our relationship with God. You see, the Bible tells us in Romans 5.10 that, that a person that isn't reconciled to God through faith in his son, Jesus Christ, is an enemy of God. An enemy. Not slightly offensive. Not mostly annoying. An enemy. And through Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection, he was enabling all who would put their faith in him to have true shalom. That is, a state of being whole with God. Here on earth, we get a taste of that peace, right? That's why Christians can handle such great persecution. We see that in the, in the churches in China and the, the underground churches in Iran and, and several of the Middle East countries. We know that, that the ultimate peace will come in heaven. Because we know that no matter what happens to us here on this earth, we will be with him someday. Living in perfection. We heard uh, the verses earlier that talked about the perfection that we would live in. There's no tears there. There's no pain. There's no war. There's no hunger. In a word, there is shalom. This is what uh, prompted Paul to write in 1 Timothy, starting in verse 15. It is a trustworthy statement, deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, 
among whom I am the foremost of all. Yet for this reason I found mercy, so that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. 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 We're going to sing now, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. This is an older one, so if you don't know it, feel free to just enjoy it. But if you know it, please help me. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols sway, and while in sweet the words repeat, all peace on earth going to read from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. There's a lot of verses in that text. And in the same region, can you hear me now? And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. But an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news for great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an, with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, 
which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it has been told them. Christmas can be a, a difficult time for some folks. I received a, a text message just before uh, this service from uh, a lady, and I'm, I'm not going to embarrass her and say her name, but she's struggling right now because she's isolated. It can be hard around Christmas time. It's a point in time that, that often bears many memories, and it causes us to look back in a way that your average everyday summertime Tuesday doesn't. It doesn't help that we're coming out of two years of intense change and pressure, stemming from the, the COVID-19 lockdowns and the other measures that kept us apart, kept us away from each other. It's been extremely challenging. But this candle, the joy candle, highlights something that can light up even the darkest prison cell. The candle reminds us to turn our eyes from the trouble and the despair of this world and to look to God for eternal hope. Joy is often confused with happiness. But to clear this up, I want to offer you this uh, simple analogy. Happiness is a thermometer. It indicates how we're feeling. My happiness thermometer goes up when I see my children open the presents that my wife and I got for them, and it goes back down again when I see how much we paid for the presents. <laughs> Happiness is a thermometer, but joy, joy is a thermostat. And this thermostat controls the temperature of our heart. And what do we have to base that joy on? What, what does that thermostat sit upon? The Philippians 4, starting in verse 4, says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. In other words, this joy is the joy of Christ coming to earth, of fulfilling his heavenly mission, living a sinless life to die a sinner's death, and then, because he was sinless, being raised again, which gives us hope, it gives us peace, it gives us joy. Rejoice in the fact that this world is not our home. We are but weary travelers in this dry place. But our destination, our true home, is heaven. No matter what happens here on earth, one day we will be free of all death and persecution and heartache and pain. Rejoice, brothers and sisters, for your Lord has come, and he will come again. He promised us in John 16, uh, verse 22, Therefore you too have grief now, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy from you. Can you help me sing joy to the world? Joy to the world, the Lord is come.
Our fourth candle is, is the love candle. And I've asked Jerry to come one more time and, and share one more verse with us. It's a couple, but one more time. One time's a charm. I remember the hand of the mark. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have, have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. We all have some idea of what love is, and probably what love isn't, right? But any idea that we might have of what love is, is inherently human, and we're human, our ideas are human, and therefore they're flawed. Sure, we may think that we love those around us perfectly, but if you were to ask the person whom you thought that you loved perfectly, you would find there were times that maybe you faltered, maybe you were tired, or you were stressed. Or maybe the other person wasn't treating you lovingly. And so our human love failed to be perfect. So what does perfect love look like? I mentioned Romans 5, verse 10 earlier. This is where Paul tells us that while we were still enemies of God, Christ died for us. But let's back up a few verses. Back to Romans 5, starting verse 6. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, that in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through his death, through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. His perfect love brought him down. He condescended to humanity. His perfect love let him become a, a helpless baby. His perfect love let him live through what you and I would consider torturous conditions. Does anybody here not have a heater in their house? Does anybody here have to take the donkey home or walk? Who here doesn't have a refrigerator with some food in it? Jesus condescended and came down to earth and, and, and dealt with all of that in, in a creation that he created. And then, in a perfect act of love, put himself on the cross. That's perfect. Will you sing O Little Town of Bethlehem with me? <clears throat> oh little town of Bethlehem, how still we see
But I just wanted to talk about this final candle. It should come as no surprise that the Jesus candle represents Jesus. It's white tends to, to symbolize Christ's purity, showing Christ's blamelessness. It's in the middle because, just like the rest of the year, everything we do should revolve around Christ. Amen. The Christ candle also represents Christ and the role he plays in the Christmas story. Jesus brought light into the world through his arrival on earth as a baby. Now, I will tell you, new babies come into the world all the time. I checked, and on the average day, 385,000 babies are born a day. That adds up to about 140 million a year. Now, do the math over several thousand years, and we start to see that someone standing up and saying, I was a baby once, doesn't really send shockwaves through the neighborhood. The difference between Jesus Christ being born and the billions, maybe trillions of babies that have been born since is the Father. In my case, it was Steve. In Jesus' case, it was God. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the creator of life, the creator of everything that you've seen, that you've tasted, that you've touched, that you've smelled, that you've heard condescended from heaven to join his creation as both 100% man and 100% God. He was born just like you and I. He was a helpless baby just like you and I. He felt pain. He felt tiredness. He felt sorrow. He felt joy just like you and I. The difference was that in all of that earthly stuff, in all of the, the walking about and, and the interacting with people in, in life, he never sinned once. Remember, he was 100% God. This is what made his betrayal and his unfair trials, his brutal beatings at the hand of the Romans, and his disgusting, torturous death on that cross all the more terrible. Perfection himself was ravaged by his very own creation. There's just one problem there. You see, death is the punishment for sin. And since Jesus never sinned, death could not hold him. And so he was raised to life again. Having defeated death and making a way for any who would accept his perfect gift of grace to be saved. It's not what we do. It's not how we act. It's not how many Bible verses you have memorized or how many Christmas Eve services you come to. God's perfect gift of grace that saves us. Amen. And it's, it's a beautiful and amazing and unbelievable gift, but it has an expiration date. This offer of grace expires either when we die or when Christ comes back, whichever's first. I'm voting for the second one. The tricky part for any of you who haven't already made Jesus your Lord and Savior is you don't know when either of those things is going to happen. No one does. You can walk out of here tonight choke on a peppermint, and the offer will expire. That's why this church is here, to proclaim God's holy word until he returns. 
We are called to share Christ's amazing gift with everyone. We are called to be lights like Jesus was a light. And I know our church is small. I know we are in a massive presence with a massive building. But I want to show you what this little church can do with Jesus. Amen. I got my pages all mixed around here, so I'm just going to put this to the side. In a minute, I'm going to have the lights go out. And I'll take the light from Jesus, and I'm going to have a couple deacons that will take the light from me, and we're going to spread that light all throughout this room as a representation of what the light of the world going into the world looks like. We're going to sing, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Be careful holding a candle and paper at the same time. <laughs> We're going to sing that song. And then I'm just going to offer you a few moments of quiet reflection. As you're sitting there, think about this past year. What has your relationship with Christ been like? What has your relationship with other believers been like? What went well? What could go better? What will next year bring? When you've had enough time in your time, you can blow out your candle. There's a box in the back there. You can just quietly make your way out, set your candle in the box, and have a very Merry Christmas. Get home. I know some of those kids have a present waiting for them. They open one on Christmas Eve. I don't know what you guys do. But if you're here tonight and you haven't made that decision for Christ, you haven't accepted that gift of grace, that gift that offers you eternal life, and you want that, you, you want to know about that, I'll be standing up here. Come on up. I'd love to share Jesus with you. But for now, if I could get the lights dimmed and the, the projector shut off there. When you, when you have your candle there, make sure that the lit candle stays upright and the person that's unlit brings their candle to you, otherwise you're going to get a nasty little surprise. <laughs> Josiah, could you kill that projector? Thank you, sir. Josiah's doing double duty back there, so make sure you tell him thank you next time you see him. Thank you, sir. Jesus told us to go out into the world to all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey his commands. And he will be with us to the end of the age. Amen? Amen. Just like Jesus' light comes into our life, we're asked to share that light with others. If I could get my two deacons to come up. Once everybody gets their candle lit, then we'll sing our song together. We're going to light the inside row here, and then you guys can turn and pass the candle to or pass the light to the next person.
this song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, reminds the, um, the Israelites of when they were in captivity. And they were, they were calling for the Messiah to come. They were calling for Jesus to come to earth. And he came. And so when we sing this song, this is us calling for him to return. first time he came, he came in grace and peace. The second time he comes, he will come to rule. Please sing with me now. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. <laughs> I'm sorry, I really such a plan. <laughs> come, for those that couldn't be with us here. Lord, I'm thinking of Judy and, and um, Mike and Linda, or Gabe and Linda, excuse me, Gabe and Linda. I'm thinking of Virginia, Justin, and all the others that couldn't be here tonight, Lord. We pray that you'd be with them and that you give them joy and hope and peace and love. Lord, we pray as we go our separate ways, Lord, that we would reflect on what it truly means to receive the gift of Christ, what that should look like in our lives, how that should change us. Lord, we will give you all the glory. It's in your heavenly name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.